Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of Charts with Dan. Don't adjust your watches or your calendars. We are a little bit earlier than usual on this Monday because Mara and I are actually on the road right this instant as you're watching this to catch a screening of West Side Story a few hours away. So we've had to tape the show a little bit early. So the numbers that you're going to see are not the final numbers. I usually like to wait for those on Mondays, but just was not a possibility with the travel that we had to do today. So if there are any corrections or additions whatsoever that need to be made, I will take care of that next week. Before we get to the five-day Thanksgiving weekend, and there's a lot to talk about, though, there was a name that many people have probably heard, a giant in the world of film and television and most especially stage, and that is Stephen Sondheim, who passed away over the Thanksgiving weekend. Truly a giant in the world of entertainment, winner of eight Tony Awards and an Academy Award for Best Original Song, amongst many, many other accolades. Stephen Sondheim wrote the lyrics to West Side Story, the music and lyrics for Company, Sweeney Todd, Into the Woods, The Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, and many, many, many other shows. Movies that are based on Stephen Sondheim's work have racked up 23 Academy Award nominations and 13 Oscar wins. As I mentioned, Sondheim himself won an Academy Award for the song Sooner or Later from Dick Tracy, and that Academy Award nomination total may very well go up because West Side Story, an adaptation of one of Sondheim's most famous works as a lyricist, is being adapted by Steven Spielberg. It's the movie that I'm on my way to see right now, and it's going to be hitting theaters in a little under two weeks. In addition to his work living on and still being produced today in Hollywood, Sondheim is also a character in the Lin-Manuel Miranda film, Tick, Tick, Boom, which is currently on Netflix. And he was still one of the most relevant figures in the world of theater, despite having been around for decades. There aren't many people that you could truly say, are giants anymore in the industry. Stephen Sondheim is one of them. While it is sad to lose someone of his immense talent, the works that he produced are numerous and will live on for generations beyond any of us watching here today. But still, of course, condolences to his friends, fans, and family. Did you want them, children? Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't have any. But art is the other way of having children, of teaching. I believe that very firmly. Let us move now to the Thanksgiving weekend box office. And this is, as it always is, a very interesting thing to break down because we have the three-day numbers from Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but there's also a five-day weekend starting the day before Thanksgiving when we saw a few films hit theaters all the way through to Sunday. So let's look at the weekend starting with the three-day numbers. So this is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. This is just a slice of the Thanksgiving weekend picture. Encanto was the number one film with $27 million Ghostbusters Afterlife putting up a good fight in its second week just behind with $24.5 million and when final numbers come in today I suspect the gap may be even closer because Ghostbusters Afterlife was closing that gap as the weekend went on. A strong second week hold for that film. House of Gucci number three at the box office with $14.2 million followed by Eternals with $7.9 million and Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City another new release with $5.2 million. But as I said this is just a portion of the Thanksgiving box office because this really is a five-day holiday weekend. A lot of kids out of school on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. A lot of people have the day off. Thanksgiving itself, somewhat of a good day for movie going, but then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, very strong 
times for people to check out movies in theaters. So let's look at the numbers for the five-day weekend. And you see Encanto still number one with $40.3 million. Ghostbusters Afterlife still at number two with $35.2 million. House of Gucci, which was released on Wednesday alongside Encanto and Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City, is at number three with $21.8 million. Eternals at number four with $11.4 million. And Resident Evil at number five with $8.8 million. So really, when we talk about Encanto's debut, we're looking at that five-day number, that $40.3 million number, even though the three-day weekend number is the one that's going to go down in the books. And that was a strong-ish number. It was a little bit lower, honestly, than I had been anticipating, only because we have seen many Disney films that have launched uh, very well over the Thanksgiving holiday weekend, and because family films haven't been in quite as much of a slump at the box office, especially when compared to adult-driven films like House of Gucci, which actually opened fairly well, considering that older audiences have been slower to return to theaters and there have even been headlines now of potential new variants that may soon be springing up. Let's hope that this is able to be kept under control. Uh, But just to kind of show you what I'm talking about, this is a look at the highest Disney grosses through five days. Frozen 2, $163.8 million through five days. Zootopia, $84.9 million. Ralph Breaks the Internet, $84.7 million. Moana, $82 million. Big Hero 6, $71.8 million. And a lot of these movies were released in that very lucrative Thanksgiving holiday weekend window. Uh, Encanto's numbers not really even sniffing uh, this top five. And I honestly would have projected it to open maybe even $20 million higher because I thought that, uh, you know, critical buzz would be strong, which it actually was with this film. Uh, It's just that perhaps it was a very competitive marketplace. As I said, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is still aiming for sort of that family crowd, was playing pretty strong in its second week. And it could also just be that people were staying home. Perhaps they were traveling more. Many people uh, not able to see family uh, during Thanksgiving of 2020. So perhaps there was more travel that was going on and maybe just people that weren't quite ready to go back to the theater, bring their kids back to the theater yet. Uh, But uh, I I think that Encanto is going to stick around because I I just actually saw it uh, yesterday, quote unquote, today as I'm sitting here uh, and filming this. And I think it's a really, really good movie. Uh, It should be something that plays throughout the holiday season. Let's actually look at what the highest grossing earners over this Thanksgiving holiday weekend have been historically. These are the top five highest earners over the five-day holiday weekend. And as you can see, Frozen 2 has the highest historical gross over Thanksgiving weekend with just over $125 million, followed by The Hunger Games Catching Fire with $109 million, then the first Frozen film with $93.5 million, Ralph Breaks the Internet at $84.7 million, and The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1 at $82.6 million. But as we like to do when we have things that span many decades, let's adjust for inflation and see what it looks like when we even the playing field out a little bit. So these are the highest five-day weekend grosses when adjusted for inflation. And keep in mind that these movies didn't necessarily all open over Thanksgiving Day weekend. Toy Story 2 at number one with $142 million, followed by Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone with $131 million. Then we have Frozen 2's gross at $125 million, so it's still hanging in there at number three. Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, starring Jim Carrey, is at number four with $122.9 million. And The Hunger Games still able to keep a movie on there, The Hunger Games Catching Fire at $121.8 million. When we look at this weekend compared to previous weekends historically, we see that there is 
a dip in the 2019 numbers. That's the blue line. Of course, the orange number down at the bottom is 2020, even though there was kind of a recovery that was being attempted here, not even close to the numbers that we're doing this year. But again, we're not able to touch that number. That's because that was the second weekend of Frozen 2. A lot of people still going to the movies. Now, this dip next week, we'll see. I don't know if we're going to be able to catch it because there's not a lot new coming into the marketplace this upcoming weekend. The theaters are kind of going dormant as far as new releases because we're getting ready for the big holiday release schedule. So we will see if we're able to take advantage of this dip uh, coming up. If not, we're really going to have to peg our hopes on Spider-Man No Way Home. And if that can't get the job done, then I don't think that we're ever going to be able to surpass uh, any of the weekends from 2019 here in 2021. So that recovery continues and we will go into 2022, uh, perhaps hoping to hit that number. We just don't know. It just goes to show you that things can change from day to day and week to week here with this box office number. But right now it's full steam ahead. We are getting ready for a holiday season that has a few highly anticipated films. The biggest one being, of course, Spider-Man No Way Home, which I think is going to generate big numbers, uh, pre-pandemic numbers, uh, but we will see. I've made that prediction before, and it hasn't happened, and then I really haven't expected much from some movies, uh, and they've surprised me. One market that did do pre-pandemic numbers this weekend was the limited release market, and that's because we got a movie that did the kind of numbers that we're used to seeing, where a movie will play on in very few theaters and will generate a massive gross on a per theater basis, and that is Paul Thomas Anderson's new film, Licorice Pizza. It played in four theaters, and in those four theaters, it actually played on one screen per theater, and that's because Paul Thomas, Thomas Anderson is asking that the movie be played on film. It's playing on 70 millimeter uh, in these venues. It generated an $84,000 per theater average over this Thanksgiving weekend from the 26th to the 28th. This is the kind of number that we would see uh, usually in December from these movies that start very small, a lot of times very buzzy award hopefuls. This was far and away the biggest per theater average of 2021. Just to kind of show you by comparison, here we see on this chart that Liquor's Pizza has the number one per theater average of 2021. The number two movie, and it's actually a mark that was set last week by the film Come On, Come On, is 26 $6,889 in five theaters. Look at that disparity. Almost a $60,000 disparity between Liquor's Pizza and the number two highest per theater average. That means that it was basically selling out every single screening on every single screen that it was playing on. It was packing houses. And this is in the coastal cities. This is in New York and this is in Los Angeles where there are still a lot of measures, where there is a, a vaccination requirement, etc. That is not keeping audiences away from this film. Uh, this is the kind of jump that you want to see because it just goes to show you that if you have the right product, audiences will jump through whatever hoops they need to to go and see these movies. So Liquor's Pizza, the new top per theater average of 2021, $84,000. Come on, come on at number two. French Dispatch at number three. Venom Let There Be Carnage at number four. Black Widow at number five. This bumps Shang-Chi off the list. But again, the big number here being that massive disparity between number one and number two there. When we look at the limited release market in general, keep in mind these are movies that are being released in 1,000 theaters or fewer. Licorice Pizza was number one overall with $335,000 at four locations. Come on, come on. Number two with $293,000, a big expansion in its second week. It's now playing in over 100 theaters. Team, The Final Truth, which is a Hindi language action film from India, 
about a showdown between a cop and a gangster is at number three, generating $275,000 in 310 theaters in its first week of release. For the Love of Money was playing in 519 theaters in its first week. This movie is from director Leslie Small, a frequent collaborator with Kevin Hart. Big in the live comedy scene, the movie stars Cat Williams, Carrie Hilson, and Jason Mitchell, amongst others. This movie is being distributed by Entertainment Studios Motion Pictures, which is one of my favorite names for any company uh, owned by Byron Allen. And then in fifth place in 110 theaters is another film from India, Monadu, in its first week. This is a Tamil language film, uh, reportedly the first Indian film, at least film made in India, about the concept of time loops. So uh, action playing big uh, with the theaters that were programming films from India this past weekend, taking up two slots there in this limited release. And we've seen some very, very strong performances out of films from India in a variety of different languages. Uh, Once again, going to show that uh, if you put the right films that audiences want to see in the proper markets, you can really rack up some good totals in the limited release arena. Let's take a look outside of the domestic market and see what the top five films internationally were. Encanto is number one internationally with $29.3 million, followed by the Chinese film Be Somebody with $21.8 million. House of Gucci took in $12.8 million outside of the domestic market to come in third. Eternals at number four with $10.2 million. And Venom Let There Be Carnage still racking up money outside of the United States and Canada with $8.7 million. So when you take the domestic gross, combine it with the international gross, you get the worldwide gross. These are the top five films worldwide. Encanto is number one for the three-day weekend with $56.3 million. Driven largely by the domestic market, Ghostbusters Afterlife is number two with another 33.1 million. Then House of Gucci with just over 27 million. Be Somebody drops to number four when we look at it worldwide with 21.8 million. And Eternals is at number five with 18.1 million. Looking at 2021 overall at the domestic box office, nothing much changes except for at the very bottom of the chart. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings remains number one. Venom, Let There Be Carnage, about $15 million behind Shang-Chi at number two, followed by Black Widow, F9, and A Quiet Place Part 2. No Time to Die sneaking up on A Quiet Place. It may have enough to enter the top five domestically unless it is passed by another film that came out this year, which is a very distinct possibility because Eternals is at number seven, only eight million behind No Time to Die. Free Guy remains at number eight, followed by Jungle Cruise. And then now at number 10 is Dune with just over 100 million, $102.2 million, knocking Godzilla vs. Kong off of the top 10 chart domestically, although we should keep in mind and give a tip of the hat to the fact that Godzilla vs. Kong was the first domestic film to pass $100 million in the marketplace post-pandemic, so the fact that we've had 10 other movies knock it out of the top 10 is something that should be celebrated. Godzilla vs. Kong, the first one, it was a long, slow crawl, but the first one to break that barrier It drops off the list after being on the chart uh, and at the top of the chart for many, many weeks. Godzilla vs. Kong almost able to stay on the chart throughout 2021. And while it's great to see Dune on the chart with $102.2 million, Ghostbusters Afterlife is hanging around with about $87 million. And if it keeps performing well, then Dune could soon be surrendering its spot 
to Ghostbusters. So that number 10 spot may be a little bit of a revolving door as movies break that $100 million mark, but that means we have more movies domestically that are breaking $100 million, which is a step in the right direction. Let's look at the 2021 worldwide marketplace, and it doesn't look like there's a huge change, but there was a big record that was set, and that's because The Battle at Lake Shangjin has officially become the highest grossing film in China's history. It is now the number one grocer of all time in China. That also means that it sets a new worldwide record for the highest gross in a single market. So even though it doesn't show here on this chart, a big record being set in China and by extension worldwide, $892 million for the battle at Lake Changjin. Number two is Hi Mom with $841 million. No Time to Die stays at number three, followed by F9 and Detective Chinatown 3. Venom Let There Be Carnage moves up one spot to number six as it closes in on $470 million. That bumps Godzilla versus Kong down one spot to number seven. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is at number eight. Black Widow is at number nine. Dune is at number 10. But this movie may also be surrendering its spot soon because Eternals is lurking very close behind Dune. So we could see next week potentially Dune dropping off of both the 2021 worldwide and domestic charts, surrendering its spot to other films. Before we look at what people are watching at home on our streaming charts, I like to do a little box office flashback to see what people were watching at a different place in time, and we are going back 35 years. I'm staying close to something that we talked about last week, and that is a franchise that is very near and dear to my heart. That is the Star Trek franchise, because November 28th through 30th, 1986, Star Trek IV The Voyage Home debuted to $16.8 million. For quite some time, it was the most financially successful Star Trek film. An American Tale at number two, Crocodile Dundee in its 10th week at number three, Oh boy, number four. You know, when people say that things are ancient history, uh, sometimes it ain't that ancient because a re-release of Disney's Song of the South, which has long been locked away in the Disney vault in perpetuity, was the number four film of the weekend in its second week with $5.2 million. So even though most people, I would wager at this point, at least people my age, uh, have not seen Song of the South, it was being released in theaters as little as 35 years ago. As a matter of fact, I'm fairly confident that I was probably taken to see that movie when I was a kid, because I was three years old, uh, when that was re-released. Obviously, the final theatrical release for Song of the South. But when I was looking at these numbers, that's a bit of an infamous piece of novelty information. Uh, let's look at An American Tale, though, at number two in its second week. That was the first movie I remember seeing in theaters. So let's focus on that one. That's a great story. Song of the South... Uh, again, it's not as far in the past as some people might want you to think. In the number five spot was The Color of Money in its seventh week, starring Paul Newman and Tom Cruise on the way to winning Paul Newman an Academy Award for Best Actor. And again, we see this release structure. Crocodile Dundee, Week 10, The Color of Money, Week 7. Movies hanging around for multiple weeks. In a weird way, we've seen somewhat of a return to that with the pandemic because we haven't had as much hitting the marketplace and some things, especially earlier in this year, uh, were hanging around for that many weeks. Uh, we, we saw a bit of a callback to the old way where things would just kind of stick around for weeks and months at a time. Now let's take a look at what people are watching at home, and we'll start with Amazon. 
At number one is Venom Let There Be Carnage, which has hit the premium video on demand market, followed by No Time to Die, also available on premium video on demand. The Grinch, people getting into the Christmas spirit, or maybe out of the Christmas spirit, at number three. Free Guy at number four. Dangerous at number five. The Boss Baby Family Business hitting the charts for rental at number six. F9 at seven. Old Henry at number eight. Stillwater at number nine. And Spectre coming back onto the chart at number 10. Let's take a look at iTunes and what people were buying, watching, and renting over there. At number one, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which is available for purchase on iTunes. No Time to Die at number two, still premium video on demand. Free Guy at number three. Spencer, which is generating a lot of Oscar buzz for its star Kristen Stewart, available for both purchase and premium video on demand. Good enough for fourth place. Jim Carrey in How the Grinch Stole Christmas is at number five, followed by Benedict Cumberbatch as The Grinch at number six. So a very Grinchy chart over on iTunes. Old Henry at number seven. Elf, kind of the opposite of The Grinch at number eight. So a lot of Christmas spirit being spread around uh, on iTunes. Jungle Cruise at number nine and The Green Knight re-entering the chart for both purchase and rental at number 10. So last week we debuted a new chart for Netflix and I talked about the fact that they have changed their metrics to talk about hours watch. So instead of counting a view and releasing their numbers as how many people viewed, which would be watching, I think, two minutes of a show, they started measuring hours watched as their metric for what people are watching. It's the way that they say that can improve the accuracy and, and be more transparent about how they report viewership, audience interest, etc. Last week, we debuted a chart where I looked at the most watched programs on Netflix. And after looking at it and thinking about it and taking in a lot of your input, I've decided to make a couple more switches because up till now, when I talk about Netflix, I just say, well, here are the top 10 movies and TV shows in the US on Netflix for any given day. But as I looked at my audience, only about half of my audience uh, for the show, or at least for the channel, is based here in the United States. The other half, uh, you're all from around the globe. Uh, and it seemed kind of narrow to tailor my look at what was being watched on Netflix for what's being watched today in the US. So instead, uh, when we look at Netflix now, I will be using the data that they report for the hours watched. It's not daily, so we're gonna be looking at the hours watched for the previous week, but I also like how this is organized and I think it does give a better look at what people are actually watching on the service, not just in the US, not just on any given day, but in general. So first of all, let's look at the top 10 most watched programs on Netflix for the week of November 15th through the 21st. Red Notice stays on top in its second full week with 129 million hours watched, by far the most watched thing on Netflix globally, more than any other movie, series, you name it. Hellbound season one also hit the service uh, on the week that we're talking about. So in its first week, it was the number two most watched series on Netflix worldwide with 43.4 million hours watched. Notably, this is also another Netflix original series from South Korea, meaning Netflix didn't uh, license this. Uh, this was actually produced by Netflix in conjunction with talent from South Korea. In this case, it is trained to Busan director Yeon Sang-ho Hellbound is about supernatural beings that begin taking humans and dragging them down to hell. So this is yet another success story from Netflix teaming up directly with talent from South Korea to make an original series. 
the same way that they did with Squid Game. So we now have two series in a row with Hellbound and Squid Game. At number three, the second season of The Queen of Flow, which is a telenovela from Colombia. In its second week, the first season of Arcane takes up one spot to number four with 38.4 million hours watched. Squid Game drops down one spot but stays in the top five with 30.4 million hours watched. Tiger King 2 debuting on the worldwide chart with 30 million hours watched, followed by Narcos Mexico, which takes a big drop four spots down with 27.5 million hours watched. The Netflix original movie, The Princess Switch 3, takes up the number eight spot with 24.7 million hours watched, followed by the original series Made and the original series You Season 3, which drops four spots to number 10. So those are the top 10 most watched programs on Netflix. Now let's look at the top 10 most watched series on Netflix. And I've combined the chart for English speaking series and series that are in a language other than English. When you look at the Netflix site, or at least the one that they show us here in the United States, the chart is subdivided between those two categories. I've combined them for this chart. The most watched series on Netflix for the week of November 15th to the 21st was Hellbound, followed by The Queen of Flow, Arcane, and Squid Game, then Tiger King 2 at number five. Narcos Mexico was at number six. The Netflix original series Made at number seven and You Season 3 at number eight. And if you'll notice, those are eight of the top 10 most watched programs on Netflix globally overall. The other two spots are filled by Cowboy Bebop Season 1 in its first week with 21.6 million hours watched and The King's Affection in its first series with 15.6 million hours watched. Something notable about The King's Affection is that it is a TV series from South Korea, but it's airing weekly at the same time pretty much as it's airing on television in South Korea. So it's a model very similar to what Netflix adopted with the Great British Baking Show, uh, which I'm very happy about, where you don't have to wait months and months after it airs. So we're seeing, particularly with their team-ups with South Korea, a lot of uh, experimentation with Netflix, another experimentation with the model, and you'll see globally uh, it's a top 10 most-watched series uh, for the service. So whatever they're doing, it seems to be working. Uh, finally, let's look at the 10 most-watched movies on Netflix for the past week. Red Notice, again, number one, followed by The Princess Switch 3. At number three is the original movie Love Hard. Central Intelligence, also starring Dwayne Johnson, is at number four with 14.9 million hours watched. The Netflix original The Harder They Fall at number five, followed by The Croods. The Netflix original Army of Thieves at number seven. Trolls at number eight with just over 10 million hours watched. Then Just Short of Perfect and Seven Prisoners taking up the number nine and 10 spots. Those are two films from Brazil rounding out the top 10. Another notable thing is that the three movies you see there that are not Netflix original films, which are Central Intelligence, The Croods, and Trolls, those three movies are not available for rental here in the United States. So those are all driven by global viewership outside of the U.S. Uh, when you look at Central Intelligence, uh, it is particularly popular right now. Uh, it's a top 10 movie in 80 markets, largely the Americas, Europe, and Asia. The Croods and Trolls are driven largely by the Americas and Europe. And then all three of those films are also top 10 films in Australia and New Zealand. So another reminder, and just to underscore that the United States is not the end-all be-all of Netflix because these three out of the top 10 movies all driven by global viewership. While it may have been focused primarily at one point in the United States, we can see now 
looking at these movies and also uh, what we were talking about last week with Dynasty, that Netflix is evolving to become a global marketplace. And that's why I like looking at these numbers because it's not just showing you what we're watching in the United States today. It really is showing what is the world watching, even if those are things that we're either not watching here in the US or aren't able to watch on Netflix. And that wraps up the show for this week. Like I mentioned, there's not a whole lot as far as box office goes. On Wednesday, though, December 1st, uh, an Oscar frontrunner in several categories, The Power of the Dog, hits Netflix. So if you're plugged into the awards circuit, that is a movie that you're going to want to check out. The only major release that's hitting theaters this weekend is the movie Wolf. Other than that, theaters pretty much cleaning up from Thanksgiving and then getting ready for the successive debuts of West Side Story next week and then Spider-Man No Way Home the week after. So while it may be a bit of a sleepy box office weekend, I will be back here next week to talk about what happened and to follow up on Encanto, Ghostbusters, all of the stuff that's already in theaters. Two quick programming notes. Number one, I will be on the road next week, so you're going to see me from a temporary setup. That's because we are traveling to Los Angeles for the Schmodown Spectacular this week and will be away from the studio next Monday. Also, there will be no live show here on the channel this week because we will be traveling on our normal Wednesday air date. So if you're looking forward to the live show, we're not going to be doing one this week. We will do one next week, although stay tuned because I don't know what day that's going to be on because we also have a travel day uh, coming up. Before we go, I also want to thank some of the folks that joined me over on Patreon at patreon.com slash Dan Merle. And those are my producer level patrons. It's my top level over on Patreon. And I love hanging out with these folks. We do Schmodown study sessions, commentaries, watch alongs, you name it. We had a lot of fun over at Patreon and I'd love if you would come and join us over there. Uh, but these supporters have been with me, a lot of them since day one, and I owe them a lot of thanks for helping with the launch of this channel and this enterprise in general. Thank you so much for watching the show, and don't forget that if you like to hear what I'm saying, you can check down in the description below. There are links to the audio podcast channel where you can find everything that I do here on YouTube. Take it with you as an audio podcast if you prefer to listen that way. Thanks so much for watching. Stay safe, and I'll see you next week. Bye.